Hello and welcome to the podcast. You're listening to Be Uncluttered. I'm Rebecca Mazzino and with me is Tara Tuttle and together we are going to help you on your journey to a life free of clutter. Hi and welcome to the show. Today we are going to do a book review. The book we are discussing today is The Gentle Art of Swedish Death Cleaning which is a book about how to free yourself from a lifetime of clutter. It's by Margareta Magnusson and was published in 2017. I'm excited about this book because I really enjoyed this book. Yeah. I read it. Now, we confession time, you and I have been trying to talk about this book for a long time and (laughs) you've been like can we do that can we do it can we do it and I'm like I haven't read it again yet haven't read it again yet and I still haven't read it again yet but I have read it but I just haven't read it recently so you're going to remind me of bits of it but there's certainly things that I do remember about it and I'll be able to ask you questions which will then might be the questions that the listeners are asking so I thought maybe we can I can make up for being slack that way yeah um I did. I listen. I actually listened to it. I got the audible version and mm. was listening to it while I was driving around, and that proved to be slightly entertaining. I'll get to that later. It's <laughs> a few oh, moments. Yeah. Well, I actually just I just read the physical book. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and then I did order it from the library about three trillion years ago, and it must be very popular because it hasn't come in yet. And I bet you fifty dollars that it will come in tomorrow. <laughs> but oh anyway. well, that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Um I so the audible version that I had was read by Juliet Stevenson and I when I heard that name I was like oh, no I don't know her but the voice and as I was listening I was like okay I have to google who that is because mm-hmm. I'm like I feel like I know that voice and she's a British actress and you'd know her face she's been in lots of stuff I think of her as the the mother in Bend It Like Beckham that's movies from quite a while ago, but I've watched it recently with my daughters, and ah. um, she was Kira Knightley's mum in that. If you if that rings any bells for anyone, I'm but she to has remember, yeah. she has this amazing voice, and apparently she's very popular and does a lot of audible books, mm. um, and yeah, I can see why because she's it was she was like a real pleasure to listen to, but I almost oh. thought she would have been like mid 70s but I think that was more the nature of the book and the way she was reading it um, yeah yeah, yeah. Well, she's anyway an it was lovely she was she was doing it the way it should have been done mm. because um the author of the book um, Margareta she does describe herself as somewhere between 80 and 100 years old so she <laughs> doesn't say how old she is um it, which is it's very cute and cheeky the way she does that yeah and it does really come across like I could completely picture this being written by my nana or my grandma Mm. who are in the 80s and 90s respectively like it just Mm. has this beautiful charming old lady feel to it apologies to anyone who's plus 80 that I'm calling you old but it is just there's just this lovely I don't know I don't even know how to describe it but there's something really Mm. quaint about it I guess yeah it's charming yeah Mm. yeah and that was that sort of quaint charmingness, you know, that charmingness, is that a word? Charm. <laughs> Using your English, Rebecca. <laughs> it is, um, it does make it really easy to read and it sort of flows nicely and it's, it feels familiar and comfortable. You don't have to work too hard um, mm. when you're, when you're reading it. And there's, I, I found that there wasn't a lot of 
jargon or buzzwords, you know, like I guess you Mm. think about decluttering podcasts or books or TV shows these days and there's a lot of, you know, buzzwords that kind of pop in that you hear over and over um, that are Mm. really popular with, you know, your fancy language that you use around minimising your space and that kind of thing. And she doesn't use that. She just, it's very, it's not dumbed down, it's not simplistic but it's just no. very natural i guess yeah mm. yeah i agree yeah um and the whole concept of swedish death cleaning is uh, i'm trying to remember it and you might be able to to remind me but it's sort of it's not like a it's not the the big deal that the that the book publishes or that the media would make it out to be it's sort of how do I describe this? It, when I read Swedish Death Cleaning, I just thought, oh, yeah, another gimmick. So when I saw the title of it, I just thought oh, it's another way to market decluttering basically, which is the same way that Marie Kondo markets decluttering, the same way we market decluttering, all that kind of stuff. So I wasn't overly, you know, excited about it being anything different, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I just thought, oh, it's just another thing where because it's from overseas, because it's European, it's something different you know, it's just a a marketing angle. Mm -hmm. But I found when I read it that it didn't feel like that at all. Would that be true for you as well? Yeah, absolutely. And I was a bit, I almost expected it to be really death focused, if you like. Mm -hmm. Um, But it wasn't. It's called death cleaning. So it makes you think of last minute kind of. Yeah. And I was thinking about, you know, you know, someone's died and then what What are you doing as they or either as you find out that they're dying or while they're dying or post them dying? Like I thought yeah. there would be, I thought it would almost be a little bit dark, but yeah. it's not so much about death, but mm. like, it, you know, in the kind of um, start of the book, it acknowledges that death will eventually come to all of us and that kind of thing, uh, making peace with that. And it's more, you know, she's trying to push it. You should just get yourself organised before exactly. your departure so that your children or the people left behind don't have to do all the sorting and all the hard stuff to deal with your things yeah. once they're gone. And it, it is, you know, more just about having the idea that your stuff will um, still be here even when you're not when you're and someone's got to yeah. sort it. So why don't you go through the process yourself? So it's kind of, it was a lot lighter than I thought it perhaps would be. Yeah, and it is a lot about making sure that you're not leaving a burden on other people. Mm-hmm. And I quite like that that idea because in our jobs we do see that burden being placed on family and we I would like them to not have to experience that quite as much. And so, you know, there is something to be said for dealing with your stuff before you go so that you're not leaving that for somebody else to to have to deal with. Mm. So kind of at the start of the book, she describes her history of cleaning up after others' deaths and I think that is what has motivated her to to write the book. So she heard the original death, I guess, she experienced was her mother's and then she had to go through the process of helping her father get rid of her mother's things and then downsize to a smaller place. And then her mother-in-law passes away and they sort out her things. And then her husband passes away. So you kind of get this little contrast between the deaths she's experienced. And it's written with, you know, genuine 
um, sentimentality, there's empathy there, but there's also mm. this lovely bit of humour through it as well, which kind of keeps it quite light. But then mm. so she talks about, you know, going helping her father go through all her mother's things and how kind of grim that is. Um, and so then she gets to the process where she's sorting her own stuff uh, so that when it comes to her kids, they don't have this burden that she had with her parents. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and, yeah, she does have this, from memory, this sense of no nonsense about her as well, mm-hmm. which can sometimes, when I was reading it, it sometimes came across as a little judgy maybe. Mm-hmm. And that was one thing I did think is that if she were, I mean, she was, she did have a, a kindness about her, but then at the same time I thought if she was coming in and dealing with my stuff, I might find her a little bit, um, I don't know, unsympathetic. Yeah. Did you get that sense? She, yeah, I guess she could, you'd almost find her possibly slightly abrasive. Yeah. But, but I guess because she is talking about dealing with her own stuff, and is giving you, you know, she's she can be quite matter of fact when she comes to yeah. talking about something. It's a bit things. of a kick up the backside. She's not, she doesn't sugarcoat things for no, you. She's there's like, not too much you've got stuff. <laughs> Deal with it, would yeah. you? Yeah. <laughs> and, and I guess that's the whole point. Like, you know, she's trying to encourage people to sort their stuff out because. And take responsibility the, for yeah, it. Yeah, they've got to the point of their life where they're holding on to all this stuff. So, you know, stop wading around the issue and get stuck in. Um, but yeah. yeah, I think she, she does give some lovely insight into some of the emotions that she felt while cleaning, especially mm. after her husband and some of the things that she went through while going, you know, through his stuff and the end of a phase, end of an era and, you know, realizing that she's going on this journey now without him and all this kind of stuff and letting go of precious things to him, but that wouldn't serve her in her future life. And it's, so I think in mm. that way, it's quite lovely because, um, she doesn't just, it's not an instruction manual. She doesn't just say, right, do this, yeah, do this, do this. There's she a bit says, of memoir in there as well. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Mm. Um, she gives some really practical advice. So she goes through where to start, how to let go of clothes, books, furniture, you know, so that kind of stuff. Um, but she, different to Marie Kondo's method, she seems to embody this idea of working slowly and at your own pace and I mm. guess that's why she wants people to do it early early so that you don't mm. feel rushed or under pressure uh, she discusses a few methods of donating things to charity or offering them to friends or giving them as gifts to people uh, or you know destroying them if if there's no other way to dispose of them so she doesn't she's you know not kind of like get a skip in throw everything she's you know mm-hmm. relatively considered when it comes to how to part with your goods and then she shares shares tips along the way of things that she had uncovered and and lessons she's learned uh and that (laughs) that brings me to the moment that was very awkward with it being an audiobook so (laughs) I had been listening to it in the car and then picked my daughter up from dance and she she had been uh describing one of her tips which was that if you find things that were a secret you know, if you're death cleaning for other people, if you're cleaning up after someone and you find things that you didn't know about in that person's life that they were keeping secret, that you should honour that and keep it a secret as well. So she said things like, 
um, oh, there was someone that she was talking about that was a, a doctor and they kept medical records. And so she said, obviously, um, you need to yeah. think about destroying them appropriately because those things, you can't just throw them in the bin, even though it's not your responsibility because you weren't the doctor. Um, you still have to, you know, maintain standards. Yeah. But then she says, oh, you know, and if you find, and so at this point, my daughter hops in the car from dance and this is blaring away. <laughs> if you find that grandpa had a thing for collecting women's knickers, you know, you don't necessarily <laughs> tell everyone in the family about this. You just dispose of them discreetly. And I was like, ha, sideward glance at my nine-year-old. And she's like, what? And I'm like, oh, it's just a work thing, trying to, you know, whatever. And then she goes, um, and think about the people that are left behind that might be cleaning up your messes or something like that. And she says, if you've got 15 dildos, don't keep all of them. Maybe just pick your favourite one. And I'm like, quick, quick, you know, like I could not turn it off quick enough. And I'm like, ah, and I was waiting for the question. So that's yeah. my cautionary tale to people. If you're going to listen to the audio version, and it's like it's 30 seconds of the entire book that was not appropriate, but that was the 30 seconds that my child was in the car. <laughs> But um, so there was a few like uh, laugh out loud moments amongst it, yeah. um, mainly due to my embarrassment rather than <laughs> the actual <laughs> content of the book. Uh, but there are some nice little tips in there, like about the you know the whole secret thing. If things are private, yeah. were private to the person that that you're cleaning up after, or if they're things of yours that are private, then try mm. and deal with them as much as you can. Yeah. Um, and that's a good way to think of it as well. If you're putting off doing some of your own downsizing and decluttering, you know, think about what people are going to find when you're gone and that can be a good motivator mm. for people to to get rid of stuff because they'd be like, I'd be really embarrassed if someone found that thing and if embarrassed for various reasons. There's so many different reasons someone would be embarrassed for someone finding something and it doesn't need to be, you know, sex related or or secret related or anything it could just be the shame of not finishing a project or something like that mm. but you know if you've got things that you would rather people not go through then do it now um, get it out of the way so it reinforces that message as well yeah and there's lo there's lots of little echoes of things that we've said or things you probably would have heard elsewhere you know like um once you have done the downsizing or the death cleaning or are going through the process, learn to appreciate things without feeling the need to own them, you know, to try and stop the yeah. accumulation of items. She also talks about, you know, less stuff effectively equals less cleaning, which is what we've said as well. So there's, you know, there's a few common themes in there that you will have heard before. Mm -hmm. um, but, like, yeah, like you said, it's got this real element of being a memoir or almost I felt like almost a journal and so uh, I'd be interested to hear your take on how it was written because you know from a like a, an audio point of view I you can't I can't see how it was laid out but she seems to weave these tales about countries she's lived in experiences she's had stories of her children she talks about you know items that she's decluttering where they came from and then gets a bit sentimental about you know some of the things and I mm. the nice part is I feel like you start to get to know her a bit it's not just this instruction manual of how you should declutter your house before you die it's this relatable enjoyable kind of story and 
Um, yeah, so I, I guess I'm interested. How was it? How was it laid out? Because she has things like you know recipes and stuff in there, and yeah. I'm like, can't. I'm trying to remember. It. I do remember now that you mentioned the recipes. I do remember them popping up, but I did get overall a sense of a little bit of a lack of structure of the book, mm-hmm. and that was one of the things that I took away from that was that it didn't. It, it sort of didn't satisfy me in that sense. I'm, and I think some people might like that, but I felt like sometimes I didn't know where I was going with the book or where she was going with the book. So, uh, and I wanted to be brought back to a, a sort of a straight line. I don't mind those diversions, but I wanted to be brought back and I felt like I wasn't being brought back and it was a little bit meandery. Mm-hmm. So that was one of the, probably the negatives that I found about the book was that, yeah, it, it did sort of meander a little bit too much for me. I preferred a bit more structure. Says me who in these podcast episodes meanders like crazy. But, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but and I, I would agree as much as I did enjoy it, I felt like she would go off track. So I can't even remember what she was talking about, like books or something or other. A rec- I think it was she was going through books and then she got to recipe books or something or other and then was talking about recipes she'd collected and then started talking about this group of women that lived in Singapore together and that would cook these recipes and, you know, and then she goes, oh, and I've got this, you know, one of the ladies supplied this wonderful res- recipe for, I don't know, whatever it was, plum jam or something. I'm sure it was something like that or chutney or whatever. But then she, she reads out the entire recipe and how to make yeah. it. I'm like, I didn't, this is, I didn't sign up for a cooking class. <laughs> like I just, I want to know how you yeah. sort your books. And so <laughs> it's, that's the thing. I think in some ways it's quite lovely. It's like almost mm. the opposite end of the spectrum to Marie Kondo because that was so, yeah. you know, do this, do this, do this, fold like this, then this is your next yep. step. This yep. is like. I hope you're not in a hurry. I feel like if you were going <laughs> yeah. to use it, you would almost read the entire thing or listen to the entire thing to get a sense of what you're trying to achieve yeah. and then maybe and then go back. dip mm. back into the bits that you, you yeah, want. Yeah, I would say if you do buy a copy, um, possibly read it with post-it notes or little flags mm. so that you can sort of put a flag on a point so that if you do want to go back, um, you, you can sort of have those major points there because it does do that and it's not structured in a way that this you know you know that this chapter has that particular point in it because it's probably it probably doesn't and you know the recipe I think that the audio version because they had that recipe um, I find it funny that she read the entire recipe out but then I think about I think well if you're only ever reading the audio version and you want the recipe then that makes sense but it was sort of printed up I think from memory in the book it was printed in a different way, like in a graphical way, mm-hmm. and so you could just skip straight over it if you yep. wanted to and not read the detail of it. So uh, I didn't, I didn't get the sa- that same kind of shock as you did with that. Um, but I, I did sort of look and think, oh well, she's actually included the entire recipe. Well, there you go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. So uh, yeah, the little things like that that popped up occasionally. So there's a couple of things that I really liked about this book one of them I think it was just funny it was the concept she talks about of a full scorp which is um a Swedish word for a cupboard of the ugly and I was (laughs) like what this is fascinating and she said basically when you get gifts from people 
and we can, I'm sure everyone can relate which are things you know like the ugly bars or whatever mm. that you kind of feel obliged to keep even though you don't want to use but then you feel like you should have on display for when people come around to show that yeah. you appreciated the gift so she said people in Sweden offer you know some people keep this thing called, called a full score which is their cupboard of the ugly to display all of the unloved loved gifts that they receive from others she's not a fan of this and she didn't have one but it was a concept mm. that she said um <laughs> she that you know she was familiar with in her country and I thought that was quite funny um, the other yeah. thing that I really, and this for me was like the highlight of the book, she offers this tip about tidying up and cleaning and moving about the house. So she said, you know, when you're vacuuming or mopping or things like that, her tip was to carry a bag or wear an apron with deep pockets to collect the things which are misplaced around your house and then you can return them all to their home when you're done um, mm. or give them to the family members to return to their right places. So I've got a little quote here direct from the book which was tedious because I had to listen pause right at this out (laughs) (laughs) yeah well Um, done thank you we appreciate your effort but I thought this was so cute this just kind of gives you a glimpse of her personality I think she says Mm. some households have so many misplaced items that a bag or apron pocket isn't big enough these households need immediate organization I have organized my home and cleaned up my clutter so an apron with a pocket works for me My apron is very stylish with a nice leopard pattern. In fact, it is such a nice apron that I want to wear it all the time, even when I go out to dinner. And I'm like, this is (laughs) so adorable. So Mm. endearing. Um, Mm. But so you have, that's the thing. I I liked that because I thought that was exactly the way the book's written. Like there's this kind of nice little idea, but it's smothered in (laughs) her story. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And that is a good idea. Hmm. Um, it's good There's, I've got a client who buys these apron-y things uh, from those online catalogues mm-hmm. and she wears it every day. She she wears this, pretty much the same things every day but she wears this apron-y thing over the top of it and it's just a, like a button, it's a button-up sleeveless apron. So it buttons down the front and then it's got two pockets and um, she said that it's really perfect for wearing around the house because, yeah, you can pick things up and put them in your pockets and then move around the house. And and I know Fly Lady recommends doing the same thing as well. If anyone, we should do an episode on Fly Lady. I okay. have no idea Just, who Fly Lady is. Oh, we definitely need to do an episode <laughs> on Fly Lady then. So everyone's going to be off Googling. Yeah. Um, but Fly Lady recommends the same thing and now everyone's going to have to wait until our episode on Fly Lady to find out who she is. Oh. Yeah, I, I <laughs> thought that idea was quite good. and um, mm. And that's the thing, I think there are these little nuggets of wisdom that kind of pop up in the book. Um, I don't, I I feel like if you are already this far down your decluttering journey, I don't know that there is a lot to be gained from it. You know, if you've Marie Kondo'd, you've been listening to us, you're probably, you know, following other decluttering coaches on Facebook or Instagram or in our group and, you know, have lots of tidbits and tips already. I don't know that there is a lot to be gained, but I like the idea of the book as possibly um, a gift maybe for someone that could be about to embark on the journey of downsizing their home Mm. or someone who is faced with the prospect of clearing out after death um, and just is just feeling overwhelmed and hasn't started. The only thing I would say is you might need to preface giving them the book with a like a mm. note or or saying something that it's not 
as grim as the title sounds and that it's just like this lovely heartwarming tale of someone that has been through the process and it gives a few tips because that's really what it is and I think yeah it's really about downsizing yeah and it's really about downsizing in your later years yeah yeah it would make the process film film I think it would make the process feel less overwhelming and also um, show people that are about to go through it that they're not alone, that other people have been doing mm. this. And and so, you know, possibly then all those other little tidbits of being sentimental about her past and thinking back on her life and some of the highlights and her kids and whatever, people might enjoy reading that because that's the process they might be going through as well. But, mm. yeah, I would just given the title, I would be... <laughs> cautious to just yeah. drop it on someone's you know <laughs> coffee table and go here read this yeah like, I, I actually tell me something <laughs> yeah, yeah I actually mentioned this book I did a talk in the Barossa Valley actually at an elderly women's conference and I talked to them about death cleaning and they were they were horrified I was waiting for someone <laughs> to collapse and I think it's because the the concept of death cleaning, like they're all saying, you, what, you've come in, you know, I should have called it downsizing. But <laughs> I was saying, and I was trying to, you know, impart a couple of ideas, you know, saying the thing, the burden you leave for your children. Mm. And I said, that, you know, my biggest thing for these women I was saying is that unless your kids and your grandkids or your loved ones, your friends know what is important to you and know the stories about some of your things, they will not keep them. They will, the first room they will go through meticulously and then, mm, then they'll, they'll get sick tired. of it or they'll run out of time and then they'll either pay someone else to come and clear the rest out or they'll go through it without looking and considering. Um, so, you know, and I was saying to these people, if you have something that you really treasure that you would love to give to your grandson give it to him now if you're not using it Mm. give it to him now share the story share the moment Mm. rather than waiting for someone to discover it or possibly it being lost from your family forever but Mm. yeah it kind of went down like a lead balloon but I think it was because (laughs) of the me using the term death cleaning yeah and that's the thing I think that term is a it's and this is why I was immediately suspicious of it as just a marketing thing because it does have that gory kind of appeal mm-hmm. and it it does sort of it grabs you but it's not a not necessarily about it is I mean it is about preparing to not be around anymore it's definitely mm-hmm. about that but it's not about the death it's about you um and the legacy that you will leave behind and the and how you want to live your life from now on uh, from any point that that you wish to to leave, and I think that's the biggest thing that people will get from this particular book will be that whole. You know, instead of looking at decluttering as an onerous task that is taking something away from you, seeing it as a gift to the people that you're leaving behind, and mm. I think that's a good value that can come out of this book. I think. Yeah, absolutely. I think you said it perfectly because it's yeah, it's really. It's about just not burdening those all those people around you. Um, and that's, yeah. you know, when you think about your own death, that's the last thing you want to be your legacy yeah. is for people to think, great, she's gone. Now we have all this stuff to deal with. Who's going to do yeah. that? Who's going to spend yeah. money on doing that? You must have had and some also, interesting experiences with your work and downsizing, families. Oh, yeah. And, 
Mm. Yeah. I am um, I'm really acutely aware of the people that have gone whenever we do an estate clearance and I have this thing that I do because it can become it can become a little dehumanized you know mm-hmm. the person's not there anymore and sometimes well, mo- well almost every time you've never met them before and there's been the odd client that we have done a downsize for them and then we have cleared their estate after Mm-hmm. several years after so we have known that person but most of the time we we haven't met that person we've met their family and so I like to make up stories about that person and I almost <laughs> it might sound weird but I have little I, I make little stories up about them um you know so I might notice that they particularly love birds and so I'll have a little internal chat to them about their bird figurines and it's it's that little thing of if they didn't get a chance to go through all of their stuff before they passed I'm going to have a little chat to them about it now mm-hmm. and you know so I'll say oh you know they they love bluebirds and I'll often say to Mick oh gosh she just she just loved her friends so much and you know oh good didn't she love peacocks or didn't she love um those that peacock feather or didn't he really, really have a thing for his shoes? He really looked after his shoes. He's really passionate about his beautiful leather shoes. And so I'll often, if Mick's not around for me to annoy him with those things, I'll <laughs> just have the conversations in my head because I like the idea of of it still being still being part of their goodbye. Does that make sense? Mm. Like, and, and I think that's another thing about preparing yourself and, and going through your things before you go and something that – that this author does highlight is, you know, you, you, it's part of tying up all of the loose ends in your life and completing cycles. And I think that if you can complete that cycle, and that's why I do that with the, the things I tell the stories about the little bluebird figurines, because I like to complete the cycle. Mm-hmm. And, um, and part of that whole, the whole death cleaning thing is, is completing that cycle and just tying up all your loose ends. Yeah, and I think something that I got out of the book, which was really lovely. I mean, we always talk about, you know, finding new homes for things. If you're letting them go, you know, finding a charity to give them to or whatever. But I think because this death cleaning idea is all done with time and that's something that the rest of us are all like be efficient be fast get it done because we're all too busy we've got to move on to the next thing this seems Mm. to be this really gentle I guess that's why it's called the gentle art but um it's lovely and slow and considered so things like when she was um letting go of her husband's tools from his tool shed you know it was a really considered approach and I, I have a feeling and I might be wrong here but that she you know possibly asked her her son or a son-in-law or someone if they wanted any first and then after that she gave them to um, a young guy who was moving into the area or buying the house or something or other but she said you know they're about to start their new life but she didn't just bundle up the tools put them in a box and dump them off at charity which is kind of what we we quite often do, do when we're in a mm. we're in a hurry to get these things done and is probably what would happen if someone else did your cleaning mm. after you were gone yes but because you're doing it yourself you have that whole thing that we talk about you know you're invested you want value out of these items so you care about where they go and so you can take if it takes you six months to find the perfect person to let that thing go to 
that's okay because, you know, it kind of you get a bit of closure, you feel like you can move on, there's no hurry, there's no stress about it, and it's being really intentional. And I love that's I think that's what I love most about the book is that it's the intentionality yeah Mm. and it's just gentle it's a real ease and you know you kind of do things Mm. as they ebb and flow and there's I mean she doesn't seem to apply a particularly systematic approach but I'm sure in her head it was systematic she went from room to room she post-it notes on things um and I guess it just teaches you that you do it the way that works for you, but you also do it at a pace that works for you. And that's something I think we miss a lot with all of our current decluttering stuff. And you see the people mm. on TV that come in and declutter in two days and they've restyled the room and everything just goes in a truck and never to be seen mm. again. And um, so she kind of flips that idea on its head that it's, you know, intentional. Mm. So we overall recommend giving this book a look. I think, um, like you said, if you've read every decluttering book under the sun, there might be nothing much new in there. But I do think that the the feeling, <laughs> which is a really weird thing and it's hard to quantify, but I think the feeling, like you were saying, is different in this one. So you still might gain gain something from it. And a good recipe for chutney. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, if you have any recommendations on books that you would like us to read and give our opinion on, then we would love to hear about it. Uh, there are a billion books out there, we know, and if there are any that are particularly of interest to people, then, uh, yeah, we'd love to hear about it from us, from you. So just let us know on our social media and um, we can maybe have a little chat about some more books. Thanks for joining us. If you've enjoyed listening, we'd love it if you'd leave a review or tell all your friends about us so they too can be uncluttered. If you'd like to connect with us, you can find us at beuncluttered.com.au or via Facebook and Instagram or on our own websites at clearspace.net.au and basklifecoaching.com.